0: Well, I'm excited today. We're continuing our series in passages. As we shared last week, we are looking at the different passages in Scripture that have impacted our lives. And one of the things I wanted to do through this series was, well, actually two things. I wanted you to get to know some of the people who are involved to make up the Genesis community, to hear from them, and also for you to be able to see that God speaks to us through the scriptures, and he speaks to all of us, and how he speaks it, it is personal, and so it's important that you hear how God is speaking to different individuals, that it's not just, well, God always speaks to the pastor. God always speaks to certain, you know, this kind of a person. God speaks to all of us, and so we come from different backgrounds, different places, But I wanted you to hear how the scripture has ministered to us all. And today we have kind of a cool tag team. We've got a husband and wife going to be sharing. Uh, And so I thought it would be a neat opportunity for us to hear from both the Turners. And so first up, we're going to be having Corinne Turner come and share with us. So let's welcome her so she doesn't feel nervous.
1: Good morning, everybody. Um, There we go. The passage um, that I want to share came to me in an unusual manner. um, And that's why I wanted to share it, because I knew that it was one of the times that the Lord was purposefully and directly speaking to me. It was a very distinct moment that um, really impacted my life. Um, It was second semester of freshman year, um, and it was my first day of public high school since fourth grade. Um, Or not high school, public school. Um, My family had just moved back to California and decided that we were going to no longer homeschool. Um, So not only was I the new kid, but it was second semester. So even the freshmen had kind of figured out where they belonged. and it was just naturally a part of my personality um, to be quiet and studious. So homeschooling had been very comfortable for me. I had really enjoyed it. Um, so as you can imagine, there's a certain level, uh, level of shelteredness, which apparently is not a word because word did not like it. It was red squiggles underneath. <laughs> um, but shelteredness, I'm sure you can assume what I mean by that. Um, there is there is a level that goes along with being um, a homeschooled pastor's kid and I, quite frankly, the idea of being thrust into this new environment was intimidating and frightening for me. Um, I didn't know what to expect, and I had never been around people who didn't believe what I believe what I believed in. So it was the concept was just all new for me. Um, Christianity was just what my family was; it's what we did, um, and I had never had to make a specific stand about what I believed or. You know, why? Because it had never been challenged. Um, I was really familiar with church and youth group and Bible studies, um, but not high school. <laughs> um, so there, I had a lot of uncertainty and fear um, about going into this in, environment. Um, so that first day, I remember walking up the steps. And I wasn't even two steps up before I heard a variety of colorful language and (laughs) some girls fighting over on the side. Um, So to be honest, I felt like a deflated balloon. I was just so out of my environment. Um, And I began wondering how long it would take me to walk back home. (laughs) I was like, maybe I can pull it off. I can walk home every day. Do you think my parents will notice? But I just remember having so much apprehension about that day that I even, you know, made myself sick, and I was just terrified, which sounds corny, but you get the gist of it. (laughs) I was just so out of my comfort zone. Um, As I walked up the steps, there was a girl at the very top that was covered from head to toe in black and lace and um, was very intimidating looking, (laughs) and she was yelling, repent, be saved. Kind of doing her best TV evangelist impersonation. And I remember turning quickly to try to avoid her, thinking, you know, I just needed to get by and stay under the radar. But she stepped right in front of me (laughs) and she stopped me and she smiled and she said, "Um, Here you go. And she had one of those little orange um, New Testament Bibles. I'm sure you guys have all seen them. And she ripped out a page. She had been doing that. She was ripping out pages and handing them to people. Um, And, you know, not for lack of politeness, I said, thank you. And I went all along my way. Um, And I I didn't know why they were doing this. Um, But I do know this. God was trying to say something to me even through that. Um, My comfort zone was obliterated. (laughs) I found my first class, and I sat down just trying to build. Just. It was too much for me. Um, but I remembered that little page that the girl had handed me, and I pulled it out. And the way that the page had ripped, most of the sentences were ripped in half, except for the very middle of the page. And if you'll turn with me to Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, and part of 8, but I'll go ahead and read it. I pulled that page out, and right there in the middle, clear as day, read, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline, so do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. I immediately felt peace and comfort wash over me, and I knew that God was trying to speak directly to me through this passage. Um, the word timidity is also translated as fear, and... I looked up fear, and of course, I found a lot of synonyms, which I was kind of <laughs> surprised by. Apprehension, consternation, dismay, dread, terror, etc., cetera, et cetera. And I only found three that were in contradiction to this. The exact opposite was courage, security, and calm. Um, sometimes for God to use us, he must, he must stretch us past where we're comfortable. Um, I needed to view this new environment not as something to survive or, you know, just get by, but I needed to view it as an opportunity to show God's love to others. Um, I was being pushed past where I wanted to be, but I was being pushed to where I needed to be. Um, Spirit of power is also referred to as boldness. Um, and overcoming difficulties. And I also found a verse, 1 Thessalonians 1, 1.5, that says, in much assurance. So God was speaking to me that day to say that I needed to lay my weakness and my fear and my difficulties before him so that he could fill me with his boldness. It was humbling to me, and I'll never forget it, um, to know that he knew my heart and he loved me so much that he used this weird random act of a gothic girl throwing Bible pages to soothe my heart. Um, In this verse, Paul is speaking to Timothy um, because he was just a young guy um, getting into ministry and apparently he had some apprehension about that. Um, And Paul knew that Timothy needed to be encouraged and also filled with boldness to accomplish what was set before him. I have found myself in Timothy's shoes many times, and I'm sure that there's many times that you know some of us here have stayed silent and afraid instead of stepping out and speaking up. Um, I try to remember this verse um, about not being afraid to testify about the Lord when I'm at work or even right now. <laughs> um, and and what I have to testify is the truth that I know, and what I know is this that. It's important to remember that God would have more for us. Um, I've never regretted being obedient to the Lord um, to being obedient to His calling, because His rewards are far greater and lasting than any fear or hard times or difficulties that we may have. Um, Paul later said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18, I'm going to read it. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So we can't let the fears and troubles of today keep us from what God has for us. Um, I know that i've let silly things hold me back before and this verse always reminds me that God reached out specifically to tell me to lay that aside and that he would that he would give me that boldness and that i can seek after what he has for me so thank you I
2: feel so presidential up here Okay, there it is. It's in the pocket. Uh, might be a, a mild form of OCD, but I'm a creature of habit, so let's go ahead and begin with a word of prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity that you've given us, Lord, to sit before you and hear from you. Lord, you're always so good to speak to us right where we're at. Lord, meet us uh, in exactly the way that we need to be Met by you, Lord. Well, I thank you for, you know, for for Boo, my incredible wife, Lord, and uh, setting aside her, her fear, and her own apprehension. You know, to be obedient to you. And I praise you, Lord. I we trust you at this time, and and ask that uh, that you would have something specific in it for each and every one of us. And Lord, we trust you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you can open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to begin with the word of God, because after all, isn't that what this whole series is about, right? Those words off the lips of God himself that have found refuge in the heart of man and spoken to us more clearly and effectively than our own words can effectively articulate. Uh, We're going to focus on verse 9 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, but we're going to start in verse 7 to gain a sense of the context there. And in verse 7 he says, To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surprisingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, Years ago at Bible college, it was my second semester. Excuse me, of Bible college, uh, I became very ill, um, and, and I mean it was uh, it, it was like light at the end of the tunnel kind of ill. You know, like I was laying in bed singing "Swing Low, Sweet Chariot," and uh, and and it was a cold. It started off as a cold, and I kind of did the the manly thing, uh, and I neglected it. I completely ignored it, and I kept on going about my business. I'm like, I'm not going to let a cold slow me down. I'm a man. I have a beard and stuff. And, uh, and so I kept on going to work. And my job at Bible College, actually all four semesters of Bible College was a uh, dishwasher. And so I'd go in and I'd wash everyone's dishes, make them nice and sanitary, and then sneeze and cough all over them and serve the people on them. And God only knows what manner of plague I unleashed upon the Bible College through that. But, uh, but after a few days, uh, my cold took a turn for the worst and, and I developed a fever. And I don't believe in thermometers. I find them to be completely inaccurate. Um, so I'll estimate my temperature at about 175 degrees. <laughs> I was, it was very hot. And, and I, hadn't, I hadn't slept in a few nights. And uh, in my fevered state, I began to hallucinate. And, um, and I, was, I remember it was one day, and it was the middle of the day, and I was, I was laying in bed. And uh, my, my roommates would come home to uh, find me in the room. Uh, and I was talking to what I believed to be a room filled with goats. And and I was yelling at him in goat speak. And I was I was on the top bunk, and I'm staring down at the floor, and I was just going, and, and and they were like, Michael, what are you doing? And I was like, you got to get these goats out of here. These goats can't be in here. This is a Bible college room. What are all these goats doing in here? And I don't know where I learned how to communicate with goats, but I believed myself to be doing so. And it was a strange time in my life. I've never... Been that sick, and the sickness went into my lungs, and they started to uh, close up, and 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 it was more sleepless sleepless nights, nearly five in a row, and I started uh, just just coughing up, you know, all the colors of the rainbow. It was like Joseph's amazing Technicolor dream coat. Every time I every time I coughed, and finally, at the end of the week, I drove home, and and I don't remember a whole lot about that drive. I remember the goats were in the car with me as I was making it. <laughs> but, but when I finally got home, my mother took one look at me, and she nearly, she nearly passed out. Um, and she quickly threw me in the car and rushed me to the emergency room. And when I got there, they put me in one of those dresses. <laughs> Let me say, those dresses aren't flattering in the front, but they leave absolutely nothing to the imagination in the back. And they showed me to my hospital room, and they took out this giant needle. And I hate needles. I'm just terrified of needles. Uh, This one just seemed huge to me, and they started draining all the blood from my body, you know, like they were feeding a colony of starving vampires somewhere. So there I was. To sum up, lungs closed, buttocks exposed, (laughs) high fever, and hallucinations, not a drop of blood in my body. And on top of all that, I needed to teach that Sunday um, because I was filling in for my friend who, to add insult to injury, was at that time on vacation in Hawaii. Yeah, Yeah, sure. I'll fill in for you. Um, So I was dying, but I decided to fill in for him. And, And I remember being there in the hospital room and sitting there in the dress and my mom across from me and just thinking to myself, I can't do it if ever there was a legitimate excuse not to do something for God, this is it, right? I'm, I'm, I'm weak as a kitten. I'm sick as a dog and, and, and I'm wearing a dress and I can't do it and I won't do it. And, and do you know, in that, in that moment, God spoke to me just so clearly yet not audibly and, and, and said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. This is this verse that he had brought back out of remembrance. And at that very moment, and I do believe it to be a miracle, my temperature broke, my lungs opened up, and my face lit up, and the goats all left the room. (laughs) (laughs) And I sat there uh, silently in awe of God. You know, just caught up in the the wonder and glory of God, how He could speak to us so personally and intimately. And I looked at my mother, and she had this curious look on her face. You know, the way you look at someone, and you know that that they're not paying attention to you at all, and <laughs> they're they're elsewhere, and they're thinking about something else. And and, uh, and 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 she finally turned and looked at me, and she said. Michael, what did Jesus mean when he said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, my strength is made perfect in weakness? What is that grace of God? And, and I was completely caught off guard. The words that God had just spoken, you know, in the quiet, silent recesses of my own heart, were now on the lips of my mother. And what I didn't know is that all week while I was wallowing in my own misery, you know, suffering uh, in my sickness, my mother was waiting to hear back from her own doctors um, to receive a call that would diagnose her with uh, rheumatoid arthritis, and uh, came with it the explanation of the pain that she daily held in her body when the doctor told her that she had the body uh, of a woman well into her 80s, though she was only 54. And all week, she had been reading this verse in 2 Corinthians 12. It, it was her. She was, she was reading it and weeping over it. And, and, and in a moment of clarity, uh, the Lord seemed to speak through me. And I said, the grace of God... Is the promise of his perfect strength when we're in our weakest state. It's in our weakness that God has the opportunity to put on display his great strength. You know, there's this thing in so many of us where we would say, I would serve God, I would live for God, I would give my life wholeheartedly, willingly, completely, and joyfully to God if it wasn't for this thing. I'd be so much better off without it. I could do so much for him if I wasn't burdened by it. But we see here in 2 Corinthians 12 that God often allows those things in our life for a specific purpose. In this text, Paul refers to a thorn in his flesh, and no one really knows what it is. Um, You you can read uh, different scholars, and they're going to theorize on what it might be. Uh, we do know historically that, that Paul, uh, was hideously deformed because of all of his beatings. So many theorize that it was this oozing eye disorder that you can read in tradition that Paul suffered from. And, and, and if I, and if I was Paul, and if I had an oozing eye, I would certainly call that a thorn. You know? But, other scholars theorize that it was malaria or migraines or epilepsy. You know, some think that uh, it was this speech impediment that Paul seems to allude to in 1 Corinthians. You know, about 10 years ago, an Episcopal bishop authored a book called Rescuing the Bible from Fundamentalism. And in this book, he theorized that this thorn in 2 Corinthians 12 is Paul's own repressed sexuality. He says in this book that Paul was a repressed, self-loathing homosexual. you can rest assured there's no historical substantiation for that statement. It's one of the more obscure and bizarre theories as to what this thorn is. We don't know what it is, but we know that Paul had a thorn in the flesh. And it's something that we can all relate to. Because it's something that we would see in ourselves and say, I'd be better off without this. And I don't understand why God has let this in my life. I don't understand why God has left this in my life. And it's something, as Paul says in the text, that the devil will use to stumble you, but it's something that God wants to use to grow you. Because he wants to use all things. You know, a couple of years ago, I was in a dentist's office, and I was reading the magazines that they had there, and, uh, and that day... Women's Home Journal struck my fancy, and so I was reading it. You know, men don't judge me. There's some good stuff in there. <laughs> and uh, and I was reading this article on uh, pruning rose bushes because we have a couple of rose bushes, and I was like, hey, maybe I could beautify them. And um, in this article, there was this statement, and I've never been able to uh, to validate it. I have no idea if it's true. But this is what it said. It said, a thorn is a rose that never fully develops. And I think that that's just a wonderfully picturesque promise when you consider it in light of this passage. That, that, that God will take those ugly, painful things. He'll take those tough times, those difficult times, and he will turn them into these beautiful roses in our lives if we'll just let him. And let's be honest, our, our lives are filled with thorns. You know, for me, it was a week of asthmatic bronchitis. That's what the doctors eventually said that it was. You know, and and it brought me to the place where I would just say, I can't, and I won't, And and, and how can I preach for you? How can I do anything for you like this? And God w- would, would just break through all the nonsense and say, and, and say y- y- you can never preach for me in the first place. <laughs> and it's time you realize that. We're so blind to see that. It's time uh, you saw that it's my strength that I give you. It's my grace that's going to sustain you. The thorns... The difficult times, the the things that we're left with and suffer through in this existence, they're always going to be there. But in this passage, God is just simply saying, I'm always going to be better than those things. I'm always going to be greater than those things. I'm always going to have the grace necessary to overcome those things, strengthen you in spite of those things. Now, do you trust me? I love to read biographies, and and you know what I find in the lives of so many of these men and women used by God uh, in just miraculous and mighty ways? I find a pattern of thorns. You, You can search it out in all their lives. There's going to be this consistent pattern, and one of my favorite is David Livingstone. He's... Uh, he's the one that I relate to the most, and I'm sure you've all heard of this guy. He's, he's an amazing man, used by God. Uh, I mean, he's su- such a mighty missionary. He almost converted an entire continent. I mean, this this guy was incredible, and 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 uh, and and, and but, but he wasn't born that way. He was born a pauper, and in his poverty, God called him to seminary. And you think, well, surely this is where the great Le- David Livingstone is going to excel. But he flunked all of his major exams and almost failed seminary entirely. When it was time for his first sermon, it was a requirement of graduation. You need to stand up before a congregation and preach a sermon. He stood before the people and, 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 and he stood in silence for several minutes while they stared at him and scowled at him. And, and, and then he finally mustered the courage to say, I've forgotten everything I had to say. And he ran from the pulpit, weeping in humiliation. And and I often feel the same way after so many of my own sermons. (laughs) And you think, could this be the David Livingstone that converted a continent? Could this be the man that brought the, the, the message of Christ into Africa's interior? How could it be? He's completely unqualified. He's completely ill-equipped. A guy like that can't do it. But I think we forget so often that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And sometimes it's in exactly that area that God wants to do something special and significant through us. And we look at this thing and we, we think, this is what is keeping me from serving God. And God puts his finger on that thing and says, that's exactly where I want to use you. That's why I allowed that thing to be a part of you. You know, when I was uh, in the third grade, I did an oral presentation on the Komodo dragon. And, um, and it was the first time I'd ever spoken in front of people, and uh, it, when it was the third grade, so that seems like an appropriate age to start, you know, bringing that into a kid's life. And I stood up in front of the class, and it was about you know twenty of my uh, tiny mini peers, you know, and and I said, I chose to do my report on the Komodo dragon, and then I stared at him. Because in that moment, I had forgotten every single thing in the universe relevant to the Komodo dragon. And so I waited for hopefully something to come back to me. I mean, it's a lizard. He's the biggest lizard in the world. He's got that forked tongue that he uses to smell the air It's nothing. It's, it's, it's gone. And, and they all began to snicker At my stupidity, and the teacher said, "Uh, "Can you answer any questions about the Komodo dragon?" And I said, "Maybe that'll help." So he said, "Okay, how big is the Komodo dragon?" And I said, "I have no idea." (laughs) She said, "Okay, well, well, what type of food does the Komodo dragon eat?" And I said, "I can't tell you that either." And, and, and it, was, uh, it was about 10 minutes uh, that, that'll live in, in, in human history, maybe, as, as the most awkward minutes of anyone's existence. And there's not a time that I haven't stood before people to speak that as I stepped up, the two words Komodo Dragon haven't come to mind. And every single time I look out into faces looking back at me, I think, this is going to be another Komodo dragon. (laughs) But I think God allowed that. So that I would never stand before people and think in my own mind, I can do this. Every single time I set out to serve God, I realized that it's, this area of intense and, and, for me, insurmountable weakness. And it breaks me and draws me back to him, puts me at his feet and, say, and just leads me to say, I need your strength, I need your grace, that in this moment will be sufficient for me. I can imagine David Livingstone on the boat to Africa, And he would have upon that boat with him as heavy cargo every excuse at his disposal as to why God couldn't do exactly what he knew God had for him to do. And it's the choice. Because these thorns are allowed into our lives, and every time... There's something that the devil wants to use to stop us and stumble us. And yet still it's something that God wants to do, to draw us into him, to let us hear the heartbeat of him. And it's not Livingstone and it's not Paul. You can read these stories on every page of scripture. You see the same thing in the life of uh, the lives of Moses and Isaiah and Jeremiah. You see the same thing in the life of Mary and Peter and and and, and so on. And, 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 and it leads me to the place where, where I would just call out at the end of myself and at the end of my abilities and just simply say, God, let our lives be a continuation of this same story. Because let's be honest, we're not maybe a lot that this world would look at and say, well, those people are special. Well, those people are exceptional on a they could do something incredible on a them they're the ones that the world has been waiting for now we're a lot of living stones we're a lot of Pauls we're a lot of simple regular people that have the opportunity to serve an absolutely amazing god they can do more than we could ever dream and he'll do it as we simply stand before him and trust him to be the sufficient strength in the moment of our greatest weakness. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this time that you've given us, Lord, these opportunities to share what you've done in our hearts, in our lives. These personal ways that you've spoken to us, these messages that you've driven home in our heart. And Lord, that we hold and cling to, that we lean upon, that we depend upon. And Lord, I think about what Corinne shared and and how the two texts, so easily intermingle. Lord, we can look at all of our weaknesses. We can look at all these thorns in our lives. These experiences that we would, you know, consider and think that, well, this has marred me. This has derailed me. No, but Lord, you want to do something special. You want to do something significant. And then, Lord, let us not have this spirit of timidity. Let us not be afraid to step out and see what you would do with a vessel so weak as we are. And so, Father, we trust you. We know that that those that you have called, you will care for. We know that your grace will always be sufficient for us. Father I thank you for this day play your pray your blessing upon these people it's in your name that we pray amen amen
0: thanks Michael that wasn't that bad. <laughs> You know, I am, again, captured by how God does touch us and speak through the scriptures in just the right way. And again, the whole purpose of this series is for us to want to hear God speak to us and to know that he can. If he speaks, and as he has spoken to both Corinne and Michael, he is wanting to speak to us, but so many times we we are our own worst enemies. We we doubt, we are afraid, even as Corinne shared, she's, she was timid, she was sheltered, she didn't know how to interact, and, and God gave her just the words that were needed to help her to see that she... She's not alone that Christ was indeed with her. For Michael and his insecurities and the Komodo dragon and, and all the things that happened in his past, that God was there. And as Mike was sharing, a passage in Second Corinthians came to mind. Second Corinthians 4, verse 6, it says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that it is all surpassing power is from God and not from us. God desires and wants to do work in us, jars of clay. And no matter where you find yourself and how you see yourself, God wants to use and be a part of your life. Will you give him the opportunity and allow him to. To speak into your life. I'm excited about this series. I'm excited to hear other people stand here and share how the living God has spoken into their lives, have, has given them through the scriptures words that have directed them, encouraged them, strengthened them. And I hope that that will be an encouragement for us as well. Danny, why don't you guys come on back up. Let's all stand together share with Mike and Corinne how they've blessed you this morning and just uh, I thank them again for taking the courage Corinne thank you and you too Mike just grateful for for them and for you guys here uh, let's close in a song God bless you guys enjoy each other's company and stick around and have some coffee and stuff